Welcome, everyone, to CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, October the 5th. Virginia is on a bye week this weekend, and there's a hurricane, and I am so glad that I don't have to worry about, like, having to drive in a hurricane. You, like, drive towards some game when everybody else is driving the other direction. Um the storm could play some real havoc with a bunch of games throughout the ACC. We'll have to wait and see how all that shakes out. But at least for UVA this week, it's a obviously a bye week, a working bye week, as Bronco Mendenhall called it. So we're gonna we're not gonna take the week off because that would seem kind of lame. Uh, we're gonna talk about the the Duke game and also get into some of the I guess what you can uh, retrospective or something. Um, Ferber's gonna have a, a grades piece out later this week uh, where we're gonna talk about. Um, uh, maybe an extension or maybe a um, um, a little bit um, more nuanced approach to, to some of the conversation we'll have tonight. But we're going to talk about kind of where Virginia is right now through five games and kind of where the Cavaliers are coming into a very important, um, poten- potentially very difficult three-game homestand uh, starting next weekend. But, but uh, let's go around and introduce everybody before we get started. Out in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the podcast. Welcome back, sir. Thank you, Brad. David Spence, Who Dave's on the board, at Who Dave's on Twitter. And up in Arlington, Justin Ferber is also back on the show. Welcome back, sir. Yes, sir. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Uh, I like how Dave like tried to say my name differently now. It's like a thing. Now, yeah. now we've given him a complex. All right. So UVA goes down to Durham and um, comes home with a victory, uh, a two-touchdown victory at that. I have to say, as somebody who was 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 in Wallace Wave Stadium in the newly revamped uh, digs, um, I I'm very glad that Virginia won because now people won't bark at me about going to road games. Because um, <laughs> I <laughs> felt like every time I went to a road game, they lost. So, um, but then again, they went they lost all seventeen in a row. Um, were you relieved or were you excited? What what was your dominant emotion on on Saturday, Dave? What was what was your takeaway? Were you more relieved or were you more excited? That's a good question. I mean, I, probably excited. I mean, it's a different. If this had been like Broncos' third year, we were just finally getting it. That would be more relief. But the fact that it, you know, essentially, it's his first conference road game and it was a good win, um, and just the way it kind of ended with that. You know, not a ended, but the the big sack at the end. It, yeah, I was definitely more excited than relieved. But uh, afterwards, yeah, both. Ferber, <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Do you think folks should be more excited or or, or more relieved? What was what was your general takeaway um, from them having broken the streak? I'd say excited. Um, obviously, I think when it feels like you might surrender a lead, you could feel relieved that you didn't do that. But I think that they should be excited about how the team played and, um, you know, the, the strides that they're making on offense and, and on defense too. Uh, and, you know, it obviously Bronco said that he tried not to put a lot of stock into it. And that's probably exactly what I would have done too. If I was in his position, just try to kind of like go out and prepare for each week individually and not try to think about ending some streak or making it bigger than the game that you're playing on the field. So um, I think the UVA fans should be excited about the progress and, um, and relieved that, you know, they don't have to just assume every road game is going to be a loss now. Yeah, that was, that's, that was kind of the direction I went, which was as somebody who runs a website that covers Virginia football, uh, who runs, you know, we run game previews each week. And so the, the idea of being able to reasonably pick Virginia to win a road game and not think, oh man, like 
and you got to talk about the streak or you you know what I'm saying like it, that that part is nice but I think the bigger picture stuff you, you guys both kind of hit on it is that the one to see the team making plays to 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 not just you know hold on for a win but to kind of go out and 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 end it I mean that that hit that Jordan Mack put on poor Daniel Jones I mean my god it was um it was almost biblical, wasn't it? I mean, it was. I mean, I must have. I mean, I remember like backing it up and watching it, backing it up and watching it, and then I noticed as I, I shared on the board, like you can see him. I mean, he just tattoos. He just crushes this dude, and he he literally like rolls over and starts to run downfield. Like, there's no way if you're right. There's no way if you're a defender that you didn't think that you you killed him, right? Like you had to think you you just ended his life. Like you planted him at like the eight mile, you know, eight yards deep in the end zone. I just the fact that he popped up like that just blew my mind, um, and also the 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 cl- the cleanliness with which Eli Hamback scooped that ball, like he reached down like Andre the Giant grabbing a can of Coke. I mean, it was like, whoop. I mean, it was it, it, you know you watch all these guys like week in and week out, right? Ball is fumbling around, whatever. I guess the fact that the thing was just kind of laying there, right? That it wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of movement or anything. But I mean, Eli just kind of, you know, just swiped it right up. Um, I just think that it was a, it was one of those plays where, how many times on, our, on this podcast or in our text thread have we talked about how Virginia just never gets the ball to bounce their way, right? Like the like the, like they could really use a turnover and they hit the quarterback and the ball bounces right back up to the dude, right? But when they fumble, I mean, it's it squirts up in the air, you know, whatever. So I think for for once they had some breaks go their way. I mean, this kid, this Jones kid was was serviceable um he's clearly got a bright future a whole lot of tools i was really impressed with his ability early in the game to kind of swivel his hips move his shoulders and get out of um get out of dodge i I really thought that that kind of he got away from that um as the interceptions kind of mounted um and i think virginia was kind of in the right place like that quint interception i mean he he literally he just kind of was there um but there were just some plays made in that game, especially by young kids that just really caught your attention, and certainly the team is, is in a good spot. Um, I, I think I want to go let's, – let's talk a little bit about the offense. Um, I mentioned this in the weekend wrap, but I was really impressed with, like, the number of players – well, on both sides of the ball, really, but especially on offense – guys who made mistakes early and then kind of had to still come back. And that was such a microcosm to me of what's happened with this program this season, right? Like you know, you're tr- you're basically you're trying to get all the losing out of your system. You're trying to exercise the demons, and I thought they did a really good job Saturday of not letting plays that you didn't make early in the game keep you from making plays late. Uh, you know, and and one of the things that you know David Eldridge talked about, you know, that Kirk Ben Kirk was right, when he dropped that first touch, what should have been the first touchdown pass. He came to him and said, "Listen, don't shake it off. I'm gonna come back to you." Um, th- those little things matter, and you can see these guys taking steps forward. Uh, I, 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 I don't what do we what was that what is that thirty one twenty seven I think was the I predicted it Virginia Ferber had it Duke and that's why we stuck with with it in the preview. But I I, I really thought <laughs> My that apologies. My apologies. <laughs> no, but I really thought that, you know, for them to, to score thirty four, even though they obviously had one defensive touchdown, I mean they moved the ball well. They they still have these lulls and I think that maybe comes with just the territory of uh, fi- you know, trying to find the consistency, but I, I have a lot of faith in this offense now. Over, you know, given what we've seen over the last two weeks, especially what we've seen from Ben Kirk. Dave, where are you with the offense? What do you, what do you, what are you liking? What you're seeing, and what do you feel like they still have to improve on? Well, starting with the improvement, I mean, the running game's still not where it needs to be. I think to to be drastically, you know, to have a 
we've got some opponents coming up. We need to really be able to run the ball better to have a chance to beat. You would think. <laughs> um, ben Kurt is obviously the positive. I mean, I think we all kind of, you know, we t- we talked about him quite a bit in in the preseason and probably were a little hesitant just because of recent experience with what we, what we hear and see out of practice and what we've seen in the game. But he threw um, – I was trying to count. I was quickly rewatching the replay before the podcast because I wanted to try to get a, a figure on the number of great passes he had. But there was at least five passes in that game that would have been the best five passes we've seen in the past two years. And they were literally in one game. Um, I mean, the long – pass to Eldridge really wasn't that great of a throw. It's just he looked up and saw him open and led him well. Oh, you know, hold on. But, hold on. You know what the best part of that throw was? The way that Reed picks up the blitz. Yeah, he did. He, yeah. There's he's he's like a ways away from the guy and he just like it's at the like the last second he saw him and like within a heartbeat, I mean he met him and just tattooed the guy. Um it was like a little like he shot himself like a missile. It was like if you have a chance, like go back and watch that play and watch what happens with Reed on the on the and and that gives Ben Kirk the chance to step up and throw that ball. But anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, I mean, I was figuring that would be one of my top five. I don't even think that was one of the best five passes he threw in this game. I mean, there was a pass a little later, I think the next drive where he hit Lavroni up the right sideline when it looked like he was might be running out of bounds, and all of a sudden he just launches this perfect ball. Um, the touchdown pass to Zacchaeus was thrown before Zacchaeus even broke. Um, the Bernie touchdown, and then there was the uh, God. There's one more, um, but yeah, I mean, he's threw so many pretty balls during that game, and you can just see his confidence growing. Which kind of the only negative play I thought he really had the whole day was he had that intentional grounding. Yeah, the intentional grounding. Um, and you know what? I think he saw. I mean, he's going to get stacked. He saw Reed out of the corner of his eye, and I think he yeah. thought Reed was deeper than he was, and he just wasn't. And that obviously kind of bit him a bit. I, I agree. I, I thought Ben Kirk was was especially good in spots. And what you see from him over time is you see him continuing to, like you said, gain confidence. He's getting a good pocket presence. You know, the fact that, you know, they didn't give up, they didn't have as much pressure on him given what we've seen from Duke this season. Um, maybe the maybe it was the wider line splits, and that's something you know they might expect to see when they're facing a defense they they know you know wants to get after the quarterback, especially from the um, from the defensive line standpoint. But I, I really thought that his his ability to to kind of continue to be, um, you know, continue to, to 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 be consistent throwing the ball when you knew he had to be the offense, right? Like it was a situation where you know they just weren't getting anything on the ground, and you knew they were going to have to make plays to the air. Um, I, I thought that um, I, I'm not a big fan of of faking a punt. I would rather you put your offense on the field and, and you know what I'm saying like and I understand that element of surprise and I and I understand where Broncos coming from as to why he called it. But me, put your offense back out there. You know, you need three yards. You you know, I really I'm a firm believer that if you if you're if you deserve to win the game, you should be able to go out and get three yards um, or whatever. I think it was might have been th- more than three. But anyway, the point being is that I I, I did think. Um, you know, Ben Kirk did a good job of shouldering the load. Um, some of those balls, I don't know if it was just because of where I was in the press box or what, but some of those passes that were just filthy. Um, that ball he threw to Zacchaeus um, for the touchdown, I mean, that thing was that thing was special. Um, and we've seen him already this season uncork a few that you just, you know, were just really nice. And that thing, I think this was another game where you really got a good feel for just how strong his arm is 
and how I mean, like a lot of guys who might have a strong arm can't can't put it in the spot they need to put it in, and Benton Kirk does a really good job of doing that. Um, I think that as he gets better timing with Lavroni and Eldridge now that they seem to be healthier and getting more more reps, I think that's an integral piece to this is because they really are the downfield guys, and that really opens things up for Mizell and Zacchaeus in the middle of the field. Keon Johnson continues to be you know a, a really you know reliable guy, but honestly there were a couple drops, and this was another game where I felt felt like you know Virginia's offense played well, but you could also look at it and you say you know what there was this little section here where they had the lull. And you wonder, what, is it, what does it look like when the offense puts together a complete game? Um, I think that's going to be the thing that they're going to be looking forward to, uh, looking for going forward. Um, Ferber, what about you? What, do you what, what are you, some of your thoughts on the offense, or have we covered it all? What do, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said. I thought it was pretty impressive with uh, how they were able to not only move the ball, but finish drives. And I've really been impressed with how they've done that throughout the season. I don't know. Um, if it's been mentioned yet, but their stat as far as like how they performed in the red zone, besides uh, you know a couple of blips on the radar like the UConn game ending and smokes fumble against Richmond, and it's been really impressive. So uh, obviously the throw to Zakia seemed like it was kind of planned out almost. Like he just was like, all right, he's going to break the corner. I'm just going to put the ball there and see what happens. But that's the kind of stuff that we you know I wanted to see out of the offense after the first few weeks. More you know stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, it's hard not to be impressed. Uh, You know, they just have to try to avoid negative plays. Uh, After the game, he did mention something about they had some penalties in that lull uh, early in drives or, you know, penalties. They called back big plays. And there was like a personal foul uh, that set them back on one drive. And, uh, you know, in other games against Central Michigan, it was incomplete passes on first and second down that would kind of put them behind the sticks. But, yeah, I mean, when you can pass the ball like this – and get the ball to players in space, and 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 obviously the way the offensive line has been playing is really impressive. You know, protecting him and get you know giving him time to find guys downfield. So uh, when they can do stuff like this, I think that that's going to open up everything in the offense. And once they start to kind of play with some confidence, I think that. Can... I don't know if we if we lost Ferber or not, but I can't quite hear him. Uh, hopefully he'll be back in a second. Um, no, I, I want to echo a lot of what you what he just said, though. I, the point about the offensive line is a really good one. Um, to me, the move to have Michael Mooney at left guard could change the season. And I don't mean that as in like some dramatic you know, fashion. I, I know it sounds dramatic, and I don't mean to be dramatic. But I do think that having Mooney there has really fit. Um, they, they've been, uh, been really good uh, in a lot of ways. I mean, and so it seems like the, the what Bronco said this week about um, cohesion, or maybe that wasn't the word he used. What did he say? That the that the chemistry has been uh, better since they've had Mooney there. And realistically, I think that is that could be a significant thing. Now, they to Dave's point earlier, they they do I think they they are getting um, I don't want to say stagnant in the running game, but they uh, they they haven't been able to 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 kind of uh, produce on a consistent level. Um, the way that maybe we um, we expected them to once we saw what they were able to do against Oregon. And a part of that could be just the way other teams are scheming them up. But the other thing, too, is, I, I mean, there was some stuff. There were, some of the action they were running, like this, they were doing this thing this weekend where it was like a counter almost, where, like, it was a delayed counter where everybody went one way, and then they handed back, and they, they asked. Like, it just was too slow to develop, and it just wasn't blocked well enough, I guess. Um, I'm not sure we'll see much of that uh, going forward, but I really thought that that – that the it, the running game does seem to be the missing piece, and it does feel like that when they have when they're getting contributions on the ground, 
um, the off the the passing game becomes even better. Now I should say that that Smoke Mizell's run late um, to get him that last first down. I forget whereabouts that was, but I thought that was a really gutsy run. It was one of those where nothing was there and he made something out of out of nothing. And I thought he did a really good job of not giving up on the play um, and really, you know. He, you know, he knew a play needed to be made, and he made it. I, I, I thought that was that was important, um, and certainly that that's something they haven't been able to do on the road, right? Throughout the the losing streak, they just haven't been able to make plays in big spots, and that was something they they definitely did, especially, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Dave, what did what did what did you think of on the defensive side? What do you how do you feel about that group right now coming out of the Duke game? I mean, I felt pretty good about him going in just based on what we had seen the first couple games. I mean, it was not good. Um, but, you know, you mentioned the Mac set. I mean, the Mac play is the one you're going to remember from that game. Um, but, again, just like those Benkert throws, there were so many great plays made that made the entire game by guys you don't expect, like that interception from Bryce Hall on the Blitz. I mean, that is such an uber-athletic, aware play for a – for a senior, much just much less a freshman. Um, I mean, to be coming on the corner blitz, stop, jump, and and grab it. Um, and then Thornhill played a great game. And then Matt Terrell, I didn't realize it during the game, but watching the replay, I mean, Matt Terrell was in there a lot and made a couple decent plays. Um, what impressed me the most about the defense, I thought Duke moved the ball pretty well, um, first three quarters especially. Um and the turnovers came in timely, <laughs> in timely places for Virginia. Um, but after after Duke scored to make it twenty-seven to twenty, and then we had the f- uh, fake punt that they stopped. <laughs> the way the defense played from that point until the yeah. end of the game uh-huh. was absolutely amazing. Like they were basically Kaiser lights out. Three, yeah, I think Kaiser had three deflections during that time. Um, Mark Hall had he one. Had a, they went. They went for four. We went for it on fourth down twice after after that. Both in our end of the end, end of the field, and both of them were stopped. Yeah, both of them were Kaiser sacked, right? Sack. Weren't they both sacks? No, there was a Kaiser sack, and then there was an incomplete pass. Oh, okay. But, was that the one? Was that um, the one Mark Hall broke up? Yes, okay. there was a yeah. Hall broke it up. Actually, there might have been another one after that. There might have been. Uh, it might have been before, but there was definitely another fourth down conversion they didn't get. Um. But he also the way if you look at it's very similar to what we saw against Central Michigan. Like the defense was, I won't say vanilla, but there wasn't a much much pressure. There wasn't much, you know, wasn't many blitz packages put in the first three quarters. But once the game got down to decision time, it's like a whole different defense. All of a sudden, you've got now some of it was Brown being out, right? But Brown wasn't out in the last game, and we saw the same thing. It's right. Broncos literally keeping like a. Half dozen calls in the well. You know, it's funny. Back pocket. What what um, Bradshaw told us was that they ran the same call fourteen times, and Bronco mentioned after the game that they, he kept things really simple for this game, and he thought that that actually gave them a chance, even though they're calling some of the same stuff a lot, right? So you 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 run the risk of the offensive line getting a feel for it and understanding what's coming. But what's crazy to me, and maybe this is part of the whole uh, physical, like the way that they're physically prepared. But like you're right, late in the fourth quarter, like the defense, it's like they, it's like they have legs that the other team just doesn't have, and they might be running the same blitz. Like you know, Kaiser's coming, and you can't stop it. 
I th- I just really thought coming w- coming into that second half without Andrew Brown on the field for them to kind of adjust on the fly and do what they did. I think that that's a hell of a uh, of a good sign for them going forward. Now I'm not saying Duke's offensive line is great. I know they had a, a young quarterback. They had a running back that was out. So I'm not trying to make this you know this molehill into more of a mountain than it should be. But I really think that when you have a defense, when you have a, a group that can adjust the way they adjusted, you know, Kareem Gibson. Probably not what you wanted in terms of being able to, to be physical with Duke's receivers. You bring in Bryce Hall, who has not had consistent reps with the ones. You know what I'm saying? And he comes in and makes, I mean, a lot of good plays. I mean, those two interceptions he had were, were two of the best plays by a defensive back I've seen at Virginia in several years. And the fact that this was, you know, a lot of the early part of his playing time, it just kind of blows me away how quickly some of these young guys, whether it's him whether it's Jordan Mack, whether it's even Eli Hambach or um, Matt Terrell or um, whoever, a lot of these younger kids are getting out and making significant contributions, and I think that's important because not only does it set it up for the future, obviously, you know, you have a, a, a much deeper group, but this season guys are making the most of their opportunities, and you, you see it. Like Bronco said, it's right, happening right before your eyes. Like you really – you can see play to play to play guys are, are, are in there. Um, and so – I think it's a really encouraging result for the defense. I understand they gave up um, points. I understand that there were still some big plays that they gave up. But like you said, it seems like when the game is in the balance and the defense has to step up, they have continually stepped up, um, and that's going to be kind of interesting to see. What about you, Ferber? What did you kind of, what were you kind of expecting from the defense? And, and given what you saw, um, how how uh, confident are you that this group can continue to kind of keep this uh, improvement clip that they've been on and keep that going? I still need to see more just because they've had some real big lapses during the season. So uh, obviously going against a quarterback without a ton of experience, although he is quite talented, obviously. Um, the interceptions, you know, they were very, you know, very good anticipation on those plays and, and good plays on the ball. Um, and obviously, like you said, uh, kind of getting some some luck on, on some other turnovers as far as like, you know, getting the ball to bounce their way was good to see, but part of that skill for sure uh i just need to see them be more consistent throughout um and i think that they were to you know this past weekend i thought that they played pretty well uh, but but again i need to see them do that against a, a team you know with a more high-powered offense because you know i don't think duke's the best offensive team they're going to play and obviously without a, much of a running game it was a little easier for them to play the pass uh against duke than they might have been able to if if jayla duncan had been available but uh, still very encouraging to see them, you know, after having such trouble forcing turnovers at the beginning of the year, be able to do that and, and do that, you know, to excess almost yeah. um, was obviously good to see. And, and just, you know, keeping Duke from really establishing momentum. They never, it never really felt like they did. Did they ever score on back-to-back drives? I don't think so. I don't think so. No, um, no, no. So, uh, so I think that that was good to see, you know, they didn't give up like a big run like they did against Central Michigan or Richmond. So, or Oregon. Um, so I, I think that, yeah, I think there's definitely improvements being made. And obviously, you know, when you have a guy like Micah Kaiser in the middle of the defense, obviously Bronco is very impressed with how he's been able to play. And, and obviously I'll have to see how they adjust to, uh, you know, getting all these young guys experience, but, but, uh, obviously pretty promising considering that I was pretty concerned about their, uh, defensive back depth with, uh, the, you know, Thornhill coming back from an injury and, uh, Tim Harris obviously gone and, and Miles Robinson as well. I want to do I want to do something really quick. Um, I, we don't have to go into too much depth, but I just want to kind of pick an MVP on each side of the ball, um, 
and then maybe give me a, a quick sentence or two about it, um, mainly because I think we're all going to agree, but I'm just curious about if we'll pick. Uh, offensive MVP so far, Dave, would be to you? I mean, I think it's got to be Ben Kirk. Yeah. We, we haven't had a you know a quarterback like that in a while. Yeah, I would say Ben Kirk, too, the, uh, just especially because I think it, you, you can't separate in your mind what you saw um, you know, in, the, in that Richmond game. Um, and it's funny because like there were times when you wanted Loletta and you, but now it's almost like you, it seems blasphemous to think that you ever, you ever worried about it. I just, it's, it's fun to see the kid be who we thought he was going to be when we saw him in camp. Um, so yeah, I would go with Ben Kirk too. Ferber, you too? Yeah, I would. Uh, but I would also like to add a caveat that, uh, I think Alameda Zacchaeus is quickly becoming the best wide receiver on the team. And, uh, if he's not already, and the most explosive player. So, yeah. I mean, obviously Smoke, you know, he hasn't really been as involved as I thought he would be this year so far. Obviously, he still has his talent, but uh, Banker's got to be the MVP because he's pretty much moving the wall. Um, impressed with Albert Reed, uh, very impressed with Alamade Zacchaeus, and I think he kind of is the straw that stirs the drink, but Banker's got to be the MVP. Yeah, I would also add, too, that like on with, with Smoke, I think that part of the reason Smoke, I, I think teams are, are, are scheming for him. And that's that is opening up things for Keon Johnson and Donnie Dallin at times, and those guys have been very reliable. Um, you know, if if Virginia can continue to get stuff from David Eldridge and Andre Lavroni, it's going to be a um, you know that offense is going to take off because Ben Kirk could spin it. Defensive MVP has to be Micah Kaiser, right? I mean, we all I'm, I'm guessing we all agree. To me, just his his overall ability to both be somehow around the ball at all times and also in the backfield at all times is just staggering like I can't I can't think of a player uh, in recent memory who was that way like you you might have Eli Harold who always seemed to be in the backfield or you might have um you know Ant Harris always seemed to be around the ball Henry Coley always seemed to be around the ball but like to be both of those things just kind of blows my mind Dave you, you too you would you would give that to Kaiser as well yeah I mean I think you've got to I mean there is part of me that wants to you know, be cute and be like hey the freshman at offensive linebacker. I mean, any freshman playing outside linebacker or the freshman playing corners have, have been, I think, crucial. But they can do what they do because of what Kaiser is doing in the middle. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of what it boils down to. Yeah, same with you for I mean, eighteen I, tackles. Yeah, same here. Uh, I can't go against him. He's just been so rock solid in the middle of the defense, and you can really see how he impacts things. I think he's a better fit for what they're doing now than what they did last year, which is you know definitely positive for him going forward and. Uh, another guy uh, who wouldn't be the MVP, but probably the, one of the biggest, uh, I don't want to say surprises because I think we saw it coming, but positive stories is Juan Thornhill. Yeah, I agree. Uh, when he's been healthy, he's been he's been really good. And obviously now he's starting to get a knack for getting after the ball, so that's good to see as well. And also we should give a tip, tip of the cap to Andrew Brown too because he has been, like we all worried in the preseason, right? Like how's Virginia going to create pressure? And part of that answer is Micah Kaiser, but – but Brown has been somewhat at, at times just unblockable. Like there were there were a couple of plays in that Central Michigan game where they had him doubled and he still moved through two dudes, um, just out of straight just just beast mode. Um, so it's I'm I'm happy for him as a person and I, and I think it's also important for the team. Um, sounds like he's going to be able to to play. Um, you know he'll be back for the pit game um, with that um, shoulder injury. So that's that's obviously a good sign because they they really can't afford to lose. Uh, to lose him, but I, I I will say too that yeah. the, the guys at defensive on the defensive line have been much better than I expected. They've they've gotten nice contributions from Eli Hamback and Jack Powers. You know we're not seeing quite as much as Stephen Wright, 
uh, as maybe we thought. Jawan Moye getting in the game, Mark Hall getting in there on that third down, kind of NASCAR package has been very good. But I think Brown has, has really kind of uh, taken some serious steps forward. He's, he has improved the way we, would ho- we were hoping he would, um, and now you kind of feel like, okay, sky's kind of the limit for him in terms of talent. What, what can he do as this, as this defense kind of gets better? Um, now, in terms of special teams, I think we'll all agree that Nicholas Conte is a god. Um, I think he's easily the MVP of, of that group. But I will say that uh, whoever, whether it's Kelly Papinga or Kyle Vasiglia, whoever is in charge of the special teams is doing a pretty good job. I mean, granted, the kicker situation is, is pretty much uh, a, a, you know, a dumpster fire. But everywhere else, they've been very, very steady and very, very good. And Conte's ability to give them exactly what they need. Has he, has, I feel like I'm going to jinx him. Has, has he had a bad punt all year? Like, I really don't think he's had one where you went, ooh. You know, one of those that comes he off the a, foot? He actually had a bad one Saturday. Did it was he? only like 42 yards. Only 42 um, yards. And it had a little return on it, which for him is a big deal. Um, like but then he had the 66-yard down to the one. So Yeah. That, That's just unacceptable. The coverage, the, coverage, <laughs> the punt coverage teams have been very, very good. Um, up until this game, I mean, they were basically allowing nothing. Um, okay. We, I want to I want to f- finish up tonight with a with a, another small kind of quick segment on forecast for the rest of the season. So Ferber's going to get into grades and specifics on 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 where where they are now. I'm curious about some of the things we think about what they got going forward. Now, granted, the schedule is not nice. Like <laughs> the schedule, their ranked teams kind of feels like everywhere. Uh, I think that that game uh, in the dash uh, against Wake Forest um, seems much much more winnable now. Um, the pit game seems winnable to me. The others are going to be well in Georgia Tech too. But the three games against ranked teams, um, let's see, or is it four? Yeah, because Tech's ranked now. So four. those four are going to be crucial. How do we feel about Virginia going coming out of the bye week, going into the rest of of its season? Dave, let's start with you. What do you? How are you feeling about the team as they get ready for Pitt next weekend? Well, I feel much better than I did like 10 days ago. (laughs) Two-game winning streaks have a tendency to do that. (laughs) I was thinking after the Duke game, like literally at about that same time the week before, I was sitting in the stands wondering if we were going to ever win a game because we had just given (laughs) up a 28-point lead. Now I'm thinking, can we sneak into a bowl somehow? Um, I mean, certainly, I mean, the schedule gets tougher, but I think our team has gotten better. So, you know, that helps. Um, We've got some games coming up at home. Um, you know, I, I would say the only game on our schedule that I think it would take a miracle to win is Louisville. Yeah, I was going to say the same um, thing. I mean, Carolina would probably be the second toughest game left on our schedule. Um, I just Miami's look, right there too. Yeah, Miami is, but you know they they're. It's still Miami. I think our guys have confidence against them. Well, I, I'm going to have to see more Miami so. as a season. I'm, I'm kind of glad that that one's not like next week, you know, because I need to see more yeah. of them. I mean, like how they handle this weekend at Florida State, and I know with the with the storm and everything, I'm not sure how all that will shake out. But um, Miami's a team I feel like I need to see. I feel like I know who Carolina is. I feel like I know who Louisville is. Um, and in some ways I feel like I already know who Tech is going to be. But Miami's a team that I'm just not sure – that I have a few yet for him, but I hear you. I mean, I, like to me, the Carolina game is is winnable, but not necessarily likely. I feel like probably Miami is is in that same category, but just not quite to that degree. I feel like the Tech game is winnable, but perhaps not likely, just given you know it seems like they've done a really good job of of kind of writing the offense, but also the defense kind of playing at a high level. Uh, I'm curious to see if they're able to keep that going as their schedule gets tougher, because I feel like other than you know really uh, Tennessee. You know who who have they really played that's any good? You know, 
But I, but I think yeah. that's one of the things about college football. Like I, I made this point before. Like they're like you know ten good teams, and not necessarily the the ten top ten ranked teams, but they're like not you know nine or ten really good teams. And then everybody else is kind of jumbled up together. And even though you might have a team that's you know if you ranked them all would be like fifty spots lower, that that could be a really tight game. That's just the nature of the parity that exists right now. And so, like, I look at Virginia and say, you know what, they're, you're, I'm like you. Like, they're going to be in all of these games except for that Louisville game. That Louisville game has a chance to, to get out of hand in a hurry, but that's just who Louisville is. Um, that's just who Lamar Jackson is, you know. But, like, I can totally see Virginia playing with everybody else. And, I mean, that's like you said, that's not, a, that's not something I thought, you know, three weeks ago. Um, you know, and certainly <laughs> where, where things have gone from – from the time it was twenty eight twenty eight to now, it's kind of it's kind of remarkable if you think about it. Ferber, what about you? What do you what are you kind of feeling for the rest of the season? How do you feel like? Uh, what are your 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 forecasts at least going um, coming out of this bye week? I kind of feel the same way I did before these two wins, in that I just kind of want to see them continue to play better and you know make it fun, uh, try to try to you know play a competitive play against a competitive schedule competitively. And um, I, I don't expect them to win every game uh, or even close to that. But I think if they can, you know, win the games like Wake Forest that feel winnable now and, um, you know, be competitive with some of these other teams on the schedule. And, and I think it'll be big for the fans if they can uh, play Tech competitively down in Blacksburg, win or lose. Um, I think that'll be big for the offseason, regardless of how many wins they end up with. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, if you get more exposure, you know, some more national games, it'd be nice to see them kind of play some of these teams in the Coastal that are obviously pretty good. Uh, there's three, I think, three ranked Coastal teams left on the schedule. So um, that and then the Louisville, of course. But uh, I think this is going to be a, it's going to be a tough road. I think Duke is probably one of the, um, I don't want to say worst, but I think they're going to have one of the lowest win totals of the teams that they're going to play this year. So a lot of hard work left to do, but I think that this road win could give them a little bit more confidence to go on the road and, and hang tough with a team like Wake or Georgia Tech or, or potentially win one of those games and then go to Blacksburg and play competitively as well. So I just want to see them continue to make strides. And uh, the results of the games are not as important to me, and I know that sounds kind of like a cop-out, but that's kind of where I am with it right now. And that's, and that's yeah, I think, I mean, where everybody should be, honestly. We, we talked about like recalibrating, right? Like. Like Dave, Dave, Dave just dropped that in there. Like, oh, now you think about a team that might be bowl eligible. I know it's unavoidable. Like, you can't, you can't help it, right? You just can't help it. It's just one of those things that happens. But Ferber's exactly right. Like, if they improve week to week to week, even if they're losing games down the road, like maybe they're playing better teams or whatever. But like, you can clearly see a team that's improving and a team that that takes steps forward. Um, I'm the same way. They continue to take steps forward. Wins will come. Like, that'll take, kind of take care of itself. The thing I think is important, too, is that, like, I don't think they're going to be out of any games except maybe that Louisville game. And I could totally see them staying within, you know, 10 to 14 points in that game, you know? Yeah. Um, because I just feel like this is not going to be a team that you're going to blow out. Um, that being said, they could always regress. I mean, that's just, that's just the, the, that's the reality of a rebuild is that sometimes you have peaks and sometimes you have valleys. And yeah, that's possible. Yeah, I was going to say I – mean, yeah, the one caveat, I think if you look at the seven games we have left, um, I believe that's the right number. Mm-hmm. Um, there are probably five teams in that seven that are better than any team we've played so far. Um, you know, Oregon is turning out not to be much. Yeah, but and, they're still super talented. And they lost a couple yeah, guys. Yeah, they, they are. They lost, what's his name, the torn ACL and whatever. But anyway, go ahead. But at this point, it would be hard to argue that 
as we sit right now, there's five teams less on our schedule that are tougher than anyone we've played so far Who's at this point one? in the season. Carolina. I think Pitt would be kind really? of right there with Oregon right now. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, Oregon lost to Colorado pretty handily. Um, yeah, but on the road. And Oregon, Nebraska. Oregon's so. a – Oregon's a, It was. It was. They have a tendency to be but it's. Yeah, I mean, it's close, and that, that's the problem. I mean, it is close. <laughs> so, I also feel like Oregon's dealing with – So let's say even four. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of – four that could potentially be the best team we've played so far. So – you know, it, so the, like I said, the wins may not come. It's just for me, it's the progress, and for me, it's it's the attitude. I mean, it's, right. you think about what we saw in Richmond when Richmond got up compared to what we've seen the last few weeks, and it is night and day. Oh my and god, dude! You, you, you guys, add that. Oh, with, Let me stop you here. So, in the middle of the third, like after the third quarter was over, I don't know if they showed any of this on TV. Okay, and quite frankly, I haven't finished the rewatch because I watched it in person, and whenever they win, I feel like I don't have to watch it as bad, but. In the end of the third quarter, going into the fourth quarter, and Duke, I don't know if this is a thing they always do, but they played uh, Don't Stop Believing, right? Um, and But I don't think that the, 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 the thing that happened had – like the team comes out and they greet the, the players on the field, and they're super-duper hyped. I mean, the song hasn't started. There's there's no energy. In the, but like they, these guys are just hyped. I mean, they are hopping around, and they're, they're hooping and hollering and like getting each other fired up. And, I mean, you're talking about the middle of the quarter, like – you know the ball switch inside. You know whatever, and like then the thing, and like they're they got towels. I mean, like they're singing and, and bouncing around, and it was the most unique thing I've seen in a game. Like in terms of like like they were so into it, like and they were so confident. You know, like they weren't doing it in like a um, uh, in like a boastful or kind of like um, taunting way. They were legitimately just having fun. Like they were out there just acting a fool and making fun of each other and having a great time doing it. And I just thought, you know what? I have not seen a team like that just feel like that feels they feel that good about just playing the game. And like you said, attitude is going to be a big piece. It's so like it, like 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 Bronco said, Richmond doesn't even feel like it was this year. Um, and I think that's exactly what you ha- what you hope to see. You know, that night you're driving home. That's exactly what you're hoping. In a few weeks' time, let this be a distant memory. And that's exactly kind of the way it's played out. Um. All right. Well, on that note, yeah, yeah, good, good talk. Okay, um, so we'll come back next week and we will preview the pit game. Um, should be an interesting matchup and certainly a um, um, one that that folks are going to be excited to be. I'm, I'm kind of, I mean, I kind of feel like if Virginia can can get a win here, that the next week against Carolina won't be a twelve thirty kick. Isn't isn't there like some, I don't know. Some like number of twelve o'clock kicks that they can have. For it's going to be early. It's going to be early because there's a Carrie Underwood concert. There's a Carrie Underwood concert that night. What JPJ? Oh, really? That actually has an impact. Wow, I learned something over there. Well, I mean, like, where's everybody going to park? No, no, no. <laughs> I meant more like a three thirty. I was thinking like a three thirty kick. Um, not like a. Night. I think it'll be at noon. Um. Well, we'll see. Um, Sorry to rain on your. Birthday. I know. I was kind of excited about you know having something other than a noon kick. Um, so anyway, but regardless, it doesn't matter when they play the game. Um, so we'll be back next week to talk about that and to uh, get you set for um, Virginia's return to the field. Um, but uh, I tell you what, bye weeks after they win two in a row is a whole lot nicer for me than bye weeks when they when they're awful. So I appreciate all of their hard work for uh, making this week a lot easier than it uh, than it has been in the past. Um, Appreciate you guys for uh, being on the show, and always appreciate everybody out there for giving us a listen. Uh, For David Spence, for Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.